Hi, everyone. Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Bosses, where we interview badass investors who are crushing it in the commercial real estate space. I'm your host, Sarah Hoffman. And on today's call, we have Keely Hubbard of Hubbard Capital Group. So I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I love the name of your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. So as usual, I always like to start off with your story. So tell us about your background. What did you do before? And how did you get into commercial real estate? Yeah. So I have a sales background. I've been in sales for 18 years. Nice. I escaped corporate back in 2017. I was VP of sales for a company that I helped to build, but I had 600 salespeople and 13 directors and wow. crazy meetings. I was traveling yeah. like 23 days a month, I think. 20, crazy. 22 to 23 days a month internationally. Wow. And I was so burnt out and <laughs> I just was tired of it. I was tired of building somebody else's empire. I didn't get a piece of the growth or if yeah. I did was tiny. And the further that I climbed the corporate ladder, I got farther away from my salespeople, which is mm -hmm. my passion is coaching. And so yeah. I left, started my own coaching and consulting firm, and I still run that today. I teach sales to business owners, sales nice. teams, help them sell more. And I do quite a bit in the capital raising space as well in this mm -hmm. real estate industry niche. But when I left, my dad reached out and he was like, hey, I'm leaving the financial markets. My dad's got a financial market background, stocks, mm -hmm. futures, forex, options, professionally trades, managed money, all the things. And he yeah. was like, we're getting into real estate. <laughs> I'd love for you to join me. And at the time, I was like, okay, I have time now. I'm not traveling. I had time to actually breathe and think about my life. And so, you've ever met my father. I know you haven't, but for those of you <laughs> that are listening that may know my dad, you'd be like, of course, I'd love to. He's just an amazing man. And so we went down the path of commercial real estate and multifamily. And that was back in 2018. And uh, now nice. today we've done large multifamilies, apartment complexes, and we're currently building and operating ground up uh, vineyards in Texas. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. That, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's very fun. Yeah. That's very cool. So your dad is the one who really brought you into the real estate and you guys went straight into commercial, right? You didn't bother with single family or anything like that. No, we didn't. And I say large multifamily. We eventually made our way to 173 unit. Property was our first large one. We tripped along the way with a seven-unit brownstone in Chicago and just very quickly realized this is this yeah. is not going to work. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of a speed bump there. Got it. Well, that Texas vineyard, that's very interesting. I've always wanted to own a vineyard myself. Every time I go past one, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. I just want to live in like an Italian villa with a, my right? own vineyard. And like, So how did that happen? How did you get into the Texas vineyards? It's interesting because my dad and I were on Whitney Sewell's podcast. This was years ago. And yeah. my dad was talking about, he's like, what do you do in your free time? And we have a family ranch. It's about 300 acres. And my dad was like, well, run cattle and I'm putting a vineyard on the ranch. And he wanted to do 30 acres, right? Just to create some income. It'd be really beautiful. And our partner today heard us mm -hmm. on that podcast and reached out and he was like, I need your help. And he heard about my dad's mm -hmm. Business backgrounds, in addition to trading, he's owned six companies and he knew about my sales and marketing background. And essentially, our vineyard partner had already done this with their own private vineyard. And they're like, we want to scale this. We need investors. We don't know how to do it. And so we all partnered a few years ago. And it's just uh, really cool how we came together, but it's through amazing podcasts like this one. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, maybe when I'm ready to have my own vineyard, I'll, I'll contact you. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. So you're a sales coach. So primarily right now in multifamily, are you mainly focusing on just capital raising then? Or what is your most active role? With my coaching business, I work with business owners. So as long mm -hmm. as they have a high ticket, what I call high ticket product that they're selling, which is usually at least 
$10,000 if it's a transaction up to millions. I've worked with people in the B2B space and tech sales and million dollar projects. But Mm -hmm. in the niche space of multifamily, I got into it because a lot of people that I talked to were like, wow, you know how to sell? Can you teach me how to raise capital? And I realized how big of a gap there was in this industry Mm -hmm. of people that get into syndication and don't realize that there's people involved and <laughs> talk to people like <laughs> asking for money and how do I do that? Yeah. And so it's the only industry that I've niched down specifically and created a program that's industry mm-hmm. specific for, but it's honestly one of my favorites. And I would say that yeah. even if my other clients are listening and the other industries too, I think they know that, but I just have a passion for coaching and especially mm-hmm. for people that have never sold before and it's intimidating yeah. and it scares them because they just get a whole new kind of breath of fresh air when it comes to sales mm-hmm. once I'm able to with them. I love it. Yeah, it's very interesting. This industry, there's so many moving parts, right? If you're an underwriting or you're a numbers person, typically that kind of background person is not the one who feels comfortable going out and speaking to people, making those connections, right? And basically raising millions of dollars for these deals, which is a very necessary part of the business. Do you have a framework or anything like that of someone who has zero background in sales or anything like that? Like what's your process with them or maybe a framework that you follow and go through with them? Yeah, it's interesting because the framework that I teach in sales in any industry, I teach it in capital raising as well. It's a four-step sales process, but it's the whole concept behind the four steps. I don't want to get into the weeds, but what Mm. I want people to realize is that what we've been programmed to believe about sales and traditional sales strategies and tactics are the biggest turnoff to people. So Mm -hmm. our whole process should be avoiding triggering people into thinking like they're being sold something. Mm -hmm. You always hear people say, you got to learn how to overcome objections. And my process is so different. I teach you how to prevent them. And I really believe that sales is having disarmingly honest conversations with people. So if Mm -hmm. you can get people to take their walls down and figure out together if this is the right fit or not, and it may not be, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And if it isn't, are you going to be okay telling me that? It's that type of just disarmingly honest, transparent conversations that really lead Mm -hmm. to real relationships and six and seven figure investments from from people that you're talking to. But I think Mm -hmm. it's almost like taking the slimy out of sales. People call me the anti-saleswoman. (laughs) You know where it came from when I was in corporate years ago, when I first started, I say corporate, I was VP of sales at that point. But when I started, it was in a franchise. Mm -hmm. And the sales trainers that were at corporate Everything that they said of how to sell people and how to close deals made me so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Does that really work? That's what I'm thinking in my mind. There's no way that works. That feels so gross. So I realized I had to figure it out on my own. And it just became a process of studying and learning people, why people think and behave the way they do and drawing out what's going on in their head, but what they're not telling you. Because that's really where the trust Mm -hmm. is built. For sure. Yeah. I mean, sales is so interesting because even just the word sales, it has that kind of like trigger for people. And I was listening to an audiobook actually just yesterday by Dan Sullivan, Who Not How. And he talks there, like you always be the buyer. And his whole thing behind that is usually the buyer is the one who chooses, right? The buyer is the one who's saying no. And even when you're like, quote unquote, selling, you, you still got to have that buyer mentality. Like you're choosing who you work with. You're not going to work with just any person, right? You do have to earn your way. It goes both ways. It's not just a, a one-way relationship. Yeah, I love that. And I think when you forget that part, that's when you start feeling like you're begging people for something mm-hmm. or you're asking them for something. And when you posture, posture is almost a word that maybe sounds negative, but I always feel like you got to level the playing field. Mm-hmm. And just like if you were one of my investors Sierra, I would say, if you don't think this is the right fit, are you going to be okay telling me that? And I mm-hmm. promise the part is friends. 
the same time, there's certain things we look for in our investors and our community. And if for some reason I feel like it's not the right fit or maybe I'm not the right one to help you, are you okay if I let mm-hmm. you know that? And that right there shows them I'm not just trying to shove multifamily or senior assisted living or vineyards yeah. down your throat. I really <laughs> got to figure out like, do you have the problems we fix? Can I help you? And I may not be mm-hmm. able to, but let's talk about it. Absolutely. So what are some pieces of advice you would give somebody who is maybe not the most outgoing social person? How can they transition themselves into more of that role so that they can start to get more passive investors in their multifamily syndication? I love that question. I think the first thing is realizing that you don't have to be this outgoing, bubbly, extroverted personality. I used to think that's what I was supposed to be, to be good in sales. And Mm -hmm. I am an extrovert, but I'm not bubbly. My mom has called me very intense before. She's like, you're very intense sometimes. And she's (laughs) like, I'm an extrovert, but I'm not the social butterfly in the room. I'm very Mm -hmm. task-oriented in how I communicate. And so even if somebody's an introvert and people drain your energy, maybe Mm -hmm. you love to be behind the spreadsheets, you don't like to talk to people, I would tell you that you don't need to change necessarily who you are. You can still be successful as an introvert, Mm -hmm. but you do have to talk to people. And just like my sales coach told me years ago, he's like, you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. If you want to be Mm -hmm. successful, we've got to generate new conversations. And I think if you're an introvert, you can just look at it like that. My job to raise capital is to generate new conversations because conversations Mm -hmm. lead to capital. It's building relationships So you've got to get out there and meet people, but you don't have to be the party animal in the room and the person working the room and grabbing them. Just get to know people. I love that. And so speaking about that, where do we find these people that are going to become passive investors? Once we go through our contact list and we've ran through that, what kind of events should we be going to? Where should we be meeting people or finding people that can potentially invest in our syndications? I love that. If you are a syndicator, you're an active investor, you're a business owner. Mm-hmm. And I would start there with where are other business owner groups in your area? I was at a women's luncheon yesterday mm-hmm. that had about 35 women at the table who were high-level executives, so managing partners at their CPA firms, law firms. Mm-hmm. They were high-level executives in other industries, and they were also business owners. And so there's something I call the Trojan horse strategy, and that's usually going in to speak about Like, I'm not going in there to pitch multifamily, but I am great at sales. And so yesterday I had the chance to, just in introducing myself, talk a little bit about sales and had two people reach out and want to connect with me as a result of that. And I know that through those conversations, they're qualified to become investors. I can certainly help that direction and send them down that path in addition to the sales stuff. So everybody that's in syndication have a W-2 background for the most part, have other skill sets outside of real estate. And if you're, say you're an engineer, like one of my clients is uh, an aeronautical engineer. I think they call it aerospace now, but very high up in engineering leadership, huge track record. And that's how he connects with other people is that's his background, but he can go to conferences and speak on his skill sets and what he did in his career. Other people will come and talk to him as a result. So always think about, I'm not just going to an event to pitch my investments. I'm going to share my expertise, to give back, to provide value and relationships will form as a result. Absolutely. And I feel like that takes the pressure off of you and takes the nerves out of you so that you can actually have a genuine conversation with people and not sound like that cheesy salesperson. Hi, I'm Robert. I'm a multifamily investor. You start sounding like a bullwinkle, that bullwinkle <laughs> sales voice, right? And the infomercial. Yeah, yeah. That's cringe. It's like, I don't want to be that. But you yeah. don't have to. You just go meet people. Absolutely. Build relationships. Conversations lead to capital. Mm-hmm. 
Now, what are your thoughts on should we be targeting accredited investors or non-accredited? Or do you have any kind of opinion on where should we be focusing our time and energy? I don't. I think meeting people that are financially qualified, there's plenty Mm -hmm. of people that are not accredited yet that have Mm -hmm. lots of investable capital. I think once you get into the circles of people that are accredited, that's really where your referrals come into play and you'll start getting into other circles of other investors and investor clubs of people that are Mm -hmm. super accredited. But personally, we have both. We have 506Bs Mm -hmm. and 506Cs and we have a lot of investors that aren't accredited yet that I don't feel like it would be fair for us Mm -hmm. to just cut them out when, how are they going to get there? How are they going to become accredited if we can't allow investments and help them exactly their goals? I love that. Okay. So I want to switch gears here for a second and actually just walk through one of the deals that you've done. So maybe if you can choose something that were, there are some maybe challenges that you had to overcome, lessons that were learned that you can share with the audience and how you found the deal and just give us the full walkthrough of that. Yeah, definitely. So I remember the very first large multifamily deal that we did, syndication deal. And we were, that was the week my family and I were, were, we were in Hawaii for my birthday. So I took my family to Hawaii. I'm like, you got it. It's amazing. You got to come here. They'd never been before. And my mom and sisters and I were on the beach and my dad was just inside the whole time. And I'm like, dang it. Why does this have to fall apart when we're in Hawaii? And that's what was going on. So the deal that we had submitted an offer on, we thought we were going to get it. We didn't. We came in second. And we were like so excited about this. It was our very first deal. And so it all fell apart when we were in Hawaii. And I didn't want my dad to be disappointed. We've been trying for so long. Many of you that are listening know it takes time, persistent, a lot of effort to get your first deal done. And so we lost it. We came in second. We're like, we felt pretty down on to the next one. Six months later, we got a phone call from the broker because the other buyer fell out. Maybe it was five months later. The other buyer fell out and all of a sudden he was like, do you want in on this deal? And that's literally how we got our first deal done. We had to lose it first before we came around to actually getting the deal. And it's interesting because a very similar thing happened in our second acquisition. It took us 11 months to get the buyer to come to terms on the price of the property. So I think the biggest lesson in this space is you're not in this to buy deals. You're in this to build a business. And building a business takes time. And I think that's some of the mindset that's missing that can make Mm -hmm. you put all this pressure on yourself and timelines and deadlines. And there's a lot of silent success that happens for months and months and months of you planting seeds before there's evidence of all the hard work that you've put it, been putting into mm-hmm. place. So I think it's so much is patience and not trying to maintain this even keel of emotions and not getting really down in the valley when you lose the deal and not having a super big high when you get your next one because you're in it for the long haul. But it definitely requires patience. Absolutely. So they say the first deal is the hardest and there's just so much work that goes into getting your first deal and it can be months and months, maybe even years before you actually close that first deal. And so for a lot of people, they can really start to lose faith because this commercial real estate is not easy as much as people want to hopefully try to do these get rich quick things. It's definitely not that, right? It's more of a long-term wealth generational thing. Yeah. And you have to be in it for the long haul and have that long-term mindset and find a different way to measure your success. Measure your success based on the behaviors and what you do on a daily basis that lead to the results. Mm -hmm. But let the results take care of themselves. Yes, absolutely. 
Let's say if someone's focused completely on, let's say, underwriting and they're really, that's their sweet spot, that's what they're great at, how involved should they be in the capital raising if that's not their natural skill set or should they rely on somebody else on their team to really seal the deal when it comes to the capital raising part? I do think that it's hard to do both. So my father handles all the underwriting in our deals. He could definitely talk Mm -hmm. to investors and he does. But if he was trying to do both, underwriting and asset management and talk to investors and late a capital raise, I think it is too much. So I I do recommend that you have somebody Mm -hmm. on your team that would be in charge of the capital raise and is solely focused on building relationships and bringing in the capital. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, even if if you're underwriting, it's if you have that skill set, you will never be without a deal. You'll never be without income. You'll never be without a job if you can learn how to sell. And that's why I feel like raising capital is so such a skill set that everybody needs, regardless of the role that you play. Mm-hmm. But in terms of full-time doing both, probably not. Got it. Now, currently, I think in the current market, a lot of things have changed. What would you say to somebody who is trying to underwrite deals right now, trying to get into their first deal and is maybe having a lot of struggles What's the piece of advice you would give them to get their first deal faster? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question. I'd probably be the one to encourage you to not focus on the timeline of it, especially right now in this market. Mm -hmm. Now's the best time to be perfecting your skills when there's not a lot of movement happening. I think everything's going to open up in the next few months. There's going to be a lot of deal flow and you want to be in a position where you know what Mm -hmm. you're doing. In terms of underwriting, you've really run it through a stringent process, especially with the economy that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that you have to follow the money. We yeah. can't sit here in one asset class and try to force a deal when the money's moved elsewhere because we know real estate goes in cycles. So we've got yeah. to make sure that we're not just for our investors looking at other asset classes, but it's also given us many more options. My dad always said this. He taught people how to trade back when he was you know, trading Forex and futures and ran a hedge fund. He taught his students. He was like, if, if the market's not moving, stop trying to find a trade that's not there. Sometimes believe the truth that we don't want to hear. Let's yeah. Have- something just for the sake of doing a deal, you'll regret it in the long run. Any final words or advice you'd give somebody who is getting into multifamily today and wants to focus really on that capital raising aspect? I would say that there's no secret. There's no fast track. There's a lot of people in this industry that I don't want to use the word prey because that's such an aggressive word, but target this industry. There's vendors, people, marketing companies Mm -hmm. that target this industry that use a lot of fantasy marketing strategies because it speaks to our ego. It makes us feel like it's going to be easy. And if I just hire this person that's going to get me 20 accredited investor leads every single week, I'm going to raise millions. And I'm probably the one that tells you all the things you don't want to hear because I'd rather go into this with eyes wide open. There is no easy button to this. Mm -hmm. There's no fast track. It is consistent persistent action of getting to know people, building relationships, developing sales skills. And it takes time to really build an investor community that's going to fund 10, 20, 30 million a year in deals for you. It's just, it takes time. So there's no better time to start that than now. (laughs) All right. So Keely, what are you working on right now? And what is next for you and your company? So we are at about, let's see, about 45 days, we have 500 acres of vineyards getting planted. So I will be headed out to our piece of land in the High Plains AVA in Texas, and I'm going to get my nails taken (laughs) off, hands dirty, and I'm going (laughs) to involved in the planting process because I want to actually help put vines in the ground. So we're so excited about that. It's just a huge operation, like 50 18-wheelers coming Mm -hmm. in, delivering vines, and um, we're really excited about it. It's a lot of fun. I love that. 
Now, so where's the best place people to find you online if they want to learn more about you and maybe even work with you and your sales coaching process? Yeah, I would say any social media platform you can find me, just from first and last name, Keely Hubbard. You can find me on LinkedIn. There's a lot of great capital raising resources there or just on my website, keelyhubbard.com. Perfect. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. If you guys enjoyed today's show, please write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Every review helps us to be able to reach more and more people looking to get involved in commercial real estate. If you're looking to level up your investment game, join the Commercial Real Estate Bosses community. It's completely free and inside you will get access to our Passive Investing 101 Masterclass, as well as regular live trainings where you can ask questions and access to industry professionals and like-minded investors. Join for free today by going to crebosses.com slash join. That's crebosses.com slash join. Or click on the link below and I'll see you inside.